0: Welcome to the Being Happy Podcast with Andrew Matthews. Andrew is the author of seven international bestsellers, including Being Happy, Follow Your Heart, and How Life Works. Andrew's books are in bookstores in 70 countries and on Kindle at Amazon.com. This is podcast number three. And today's episode is five things that successful people do that you can do, too. See if you relate to this story. The names may be different, but you'll get the idea. You had two friends in school. There was Barry. He was the straight-A student who seemed bound for glory. And there was Mary. She was the battler who flunked first-year economics. And ten years later, you discover that Mary is a multimillionaire. She runs her own company. She travels the world. She has her own helicopter. And meanwhile, Barry is stuck in the same boring job he got at graduation. You ask, how come Mary blossomed and not Barry the brain? We'll come to that in a moment. But first I want to share with you my definition of success. And you may have your definition. Here's mine. Firstly, success is spending your time doing something that has meaning for you. Ideally, it's doing something in your work time that you love but it may be doing something in your spare time. Or if you're raising happy children, certainly that's success. Secondly, success is making regular progress toward goals that you've set for yourself. And thirdly, success is having people in your life that you love and who love you. Success is not all about money, but it is about being able to pay your bills and live the lifestyle that you want. So back to Mary and Barry. You say, how come ordinary Mary became successful and not Barry the genius? And it's because Mary has certain habits that successful people have that matter way more than IQ. So what things do high achievers do that you can do too? Here's number one, and this is a big one. Start small. Successful people are happy to start small. In fact, successful people will start Anywhere they can, many entrepreneurs start washing cars or building websites at 10 years of age. They develop a success pattern. They sharpen their skills, and then they aim higher. Ingvar Kamprad, the founder of IKEA Furniture, started business as a young boy, selling matches to neighbours from his bicycle. He expanded into fish, Christmas tree decorations, and selling pencils before ultimately founding his fold-up furniture empire. You first learn to catch little fish, and then big fish. At age 12, Steven Spielberg started making amateur movies of his family's camping trips. And to finance his films, he charged his friend's admission while his sister Annie sold popcorn. He started small. Surgeons practice on tonsils before they do brain surgery. Ed Sheeran spent years on street corners before he filled stadiums. What's so important about a success pattern? It's what gets you to believe in yourself. When you know in your heart, one, I've prepared for this, two, I can do it, and three, I deserve it. You're on your way. Wherever you are headed, start small if you have to. Make success a habit. That's the foundation of self-belief. Here's what starting small might mean for you. It might mean starting your own accounting business on your kitchen table. It might mean becoming a personal trainer where your gym is actually your garage. It might mean starting your online newsletter with a mailing list of one, (laughs) and that's your mum. Another version of starting small is working for cheap or working for nothing. This was my story. My aim in writing my first book, Being Happy, was to share some simple happiness strategies that anyone could use. But I had another goal in writing that book, and that was that I wanted to become a speaker so that I could share my message firsthand at conferences and conventions. And when Being Happy was first released, I began travelling to different countries to promote my book. So I would do radio and TV interviews, and I would make bookstore appearances. And schools began to ask me to speak, and universities. I went everywhere. I went anywhere. I would get all dressed up, I'd go to the venue, I'd set up, I'd do my talk, back to my hotel, all for free. But I was learning my craft. I remember one time I was in London and I was booked to give an evening talk to 200 people in Portsmouth. Now, to drive to Portsmouth from London should take, what, an hour and a half? That day the weather was so bad, I left at lunchtime. It took four and a half hours to get there through fog and driving rain and floods. I get to the venue. There's nobody there, just the organiser. So we wait an hour and nobody shows up. And finally he says to me, well, do you want to start? (laughs) Do I want to start? There's two people in the room and one of them is me. I spoke in hospitals. I spoke in prisons in Australia, in Singapore. In the United States, I remember speaking to the Mabel Bassett Maximum Security Women's Prison in Oklahoma. Prisons and hospitals are a wonderful place to practice your public speaking because your audience can't leave. (laughs) In three years, I gave about 250 presentations at no charge. And then one day, my wife Julie, who is my publisher and a very smart lady, called me into her office and she said, I just booked you for another speaking job I said great she said you're speaking in Perth to a company called Amiga Trend and they're going to fly you business class they're going to put you up in a five-star hotel you speak for 45 minutes and they are paying you two thousand five hundred dollars Wow! <laughs> finally I was a professional speaker I was so happy now Lucky for me that Julie came along, or I might still be speaking for nothing. In fact, I'm so lucky that Julie came along full stop, period. Julie is the most extraordinary lady I know. And that's a subject for another podcast. Here's the point. Sometimes starting small means starting cheap, doing whatever you can, wherever you can, getting a reputation and refining your craft. Let's say that you're unemployed And there's a company you want to work for. Offer your services for free. Obviously, it's not so easy to do that with a multinational corporation. You can't go up to Google and say, let me work with you for a while. But with a small business, with a family business, you can say to the boss, say to the owner, let me work with you for a couple of weeks. Let me show you what I can do. If you're a chef or a travel guide or if you're a computer programmer, if you're a graphic artist, go to work for free. Blow their mind. You say, well, what if they say no? Look, you're unemployed. You've got nothing going for you. So you speak to 10 companies and nine say no. And one says, yes, you're in business. You can start small with anything. For you, it might be your savings plan where you begin saving just $20 a week, but do it every week. It might mean you begin writing your first book, writing one page a day before breakfast. It might mean you start your fitness plan and you begin with walking just 10 minutes a day. It might mean starting your music career in your local cafe to an audience of 10. Never be ashamed of starting small. Number two, break your goals into small steps. Whether you're aiming to be an architect or whether you're training for a marathon or just wanting to clean out your office, break your journey into bite-sized pieces. Here's what psychologists will tell you that you already know. You are much more likely to finish jobs that can be completed in 15 minutes. Divide big tasks into manageable chunks. Make to-do lists. Tick off each task and celebrate small steps of progress. Did you ever spend a year telling yourself I'm going to tidy my desk and you never do it? You look at that mess and say, "Wah, where do I start?" When you divide up desk tidying into a list of things, Suddenly you know where to start, so your list might look like this. File all my receipts, throw out all the old magazines, tidy my top drawer, put all the files back in the filing cabinet, organize my USB sticks, organize the business cards and photos, donate all my loose change to charity. Suddenly you have a job you can handle. You can focus on one task at a time. Whatever the project, whatever the job you have to do, divide it into little chunks. Number three, ask for help. People who get what they want in life, they know how to ask for what they want. Kids know how to ask. And when grown-ups say no, kids don't take it personally. Can I have an ice cream? No. Can I have an ice cream? No. Can I have an ice cream? No. Can I have an ice cream? Ask your father. Dad, mum says I can have an ice cream. We can learn from kids. Your success and happiness depend on you asking for what you want. For small things, may I have a refund? Can you reschedule my appointment? Can we go on a date? And for big things, can I work for you? Will you marry me? (laughs) Other people aren't mind readers. Often, they will very happily help you or even marry you if they just know what you want. Asking for what you want keeps you happier and healthier. Ask more often and more good things will happen for you. The more often you ask, the better you get at handling rejection. And if there is one thing that high achievers do well, it's handle rejection. Number four is love what you do. Successful managers, pilots, plumbers, policemen love their work. When you love your work, you have that special energy. You're enthusiastic. You're caring. You become a magnet for opportunity so you flourish. When you love what you do, research is a pleasure, study is a pleasure, work is a pleasure. Julie and I have some dear friends, Frank and Maria. They're Italian, they love Italian food. And in the last 40 years, they've owned a dozen different cafes and restaurants and they are always successful. They don't have MBAs, they have love. They love beautiful fruit and vegetables. And they will go anywhere to get good produce. They buy the best tomatoes, the best lettuce, fennel, the best fish, the finest calamari. They buy with care, they cook with love, and they serve you with a huge smile. They are so proud of what they do. How can anyone compete with that? Imagine that you needed to have a kidney removed, and you are choosing between two surgeons. One loves being a doctor. And the other loves his BMW. Which one would you pick? Whatever you do for a living, you're competing against people who love what they do. And if you dislike your work, you're dead in the water. Which means you have two choices. Either change your attitude or change your job. I touched on some of this in podcast number two, Enjoying Your Work. If you haven't heard it, have a listen. Five, picture Your success. People like Richard Branson, Serena Williams, Taylor Swift visualise their success. They play movies in their minds. Why? Because we become what we think about. Whether you want to be an inspiring leader or a great teacher or the next Roger Federer, you must picture your own success over and over and over. In the 1970s, Fred Couples and Jim Nance were sweet mates at the University of Houston. Fred was a dedicated golfer with big dreams of winning the US Masters. And Jim, Jim had ambitions of being a top sports announcer. And together they would often play act a scene where Fred, having just won the US Masters, was interviewed by the CBS announcer Jim Nance. Well, in 1992, Fred won the Masters and he was ushered into the butler cabin to receive the famous green jacket. And there... To get the inside story was CBS's Jim Nance. At the close of the interview, they embraced with tears in their eyes, no doubt reflecting on how that imaginary scene that they had so often rehearsed in Houston had just unfolded before the whole world in Augusta. And so you ask, would Fred Couples have won the Masters Golf Championship without all the play acting? And would Jim Nance have achieved his dream without the play acting? Would it all have happened anyway? Here's what I know. There's not a successful actor, astronaut, brain surgeon, pilot, pop star, president, or pole dancer that didn't imagine their dream over and over and over again long before it happened. Everything is connected and nothing happens anyway. Children picture success quite naturally. It's why kids learn so fast. Do you want to be more confident at dinner parties? Would you like to hit better golf balls? Would you like to sell more real estate? See it in your mind. Any time you have a spare moment, play your mental movie. Wherever you're headed, start small if you have to and make success a habit. No one is born with special permission to succeed. We succeed by adopting the habits of successful people. This podcast is based on a newspaper article I wrote. If you would like to read the original or perhaps share it, there's a link to it on my website at andrewmatthews.com. Forward slash podcasts, and hi to my friends in Singapore and Malaysia. I had some emails during the week saying, Andrew, where can we buy your books here? Well, they're in popular bookstores, in Times, Kinokuniya, MPH, and at the airports. In my next podcast, podcast number four, I'll be talking about dealing with disasters. How do you handle disappointment? How do you bounce back from failure? If you're enjoying these podcasts, Please post a comment on iTunes. Let me know what you think. (laughs) Give me some encouragement. Until next time, I wish you success and happiness. Would you like more of Andrew's happiness tips and cartoons? Join Andrew on Facebook at Andrew Matthews Author.